We're going to read the Bible uh, together now. Um, For those of you who have got one of the few Bibles, these ones here, um, we're starting on page 1006, 1006, which is Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. chapter 10, verse 17, starting. I just read the little section beforehand because what I've just mentioned, it does follow on from that. I'm going to start at verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked him. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such of these as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Now this this section, subheading it's got, is the rich young man. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Let's let's pray before I speak on those verses. Heavenly Father, we do ask you that your Holy Spirit would be working in people's minds, in people's hearts and in their emotions to help us all have a, a, a clear understanding of the meaning of what you said to the man and how he responded and how we can apply this in our own lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. 
So what are we to say about the rich young ruler? What are we to say about this rich young man? Well, simple question really, and we're told in about the last verse of of what uh, I've just read out. He was wealthy. He was very rich. Now, what does being wealthy and being very rich usually mean? What follows on from that, if you're wealthy and if you've got stacks of money? Well, it usually means three or four things. One, it means you can be, humanly speaking at least, independent. You don't have to ask people where you, where you can go. You don't ask them if they can lend you any money. Um, it means you're virtually free, apart from the constraints of the laws in the country where you live, you're free to do what you want. You're, free, you're, you're self-sufficient. You're self-sufficient. You don't have to go out to work, for example. You don't have to sign on at the labour exchange because uh, you need a new job. You don't have to go to the bank to borrow some money. So you can be independent. You can be self-sufficient. You can have freedom to go where you want to go. If the uh, if you suddenly feel like taking a plane to Australia... In a day or two's time, well, you've got the money, you get on the internet, get on the phone, you've got your ticket, and off you go. You've got the freedom to go where you want to go and to do what you want to do and have what you want to have. And for these things, these uh, advantages of having a lot of money... What they meant to that young man is that when he... When, he's, when Jesus told him what to do, give, get your money, give it to the poor, and then you will have, you can come and follow me, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Now, as we just read, when Jesus told uh, that to the man, his face fell, and he went away sad, because he had great wealth. So he had this great wealth, it gave him great freedom, it gave him great independence, he was self-sufficient, and he wasn't prepared to go without that. Very simply, the money and all the things that it could do for him was more important than treasure in heaven. Now, There's a lesson, not only for adults, but also for children. You children, as you grow up, you do your exams, maybe you go to college or university, you do well there, hopefully. You've got to look for a job, you've got to support yourself in life, and you can have different, there are probably many choices about jobs you can do. Some will be very, very demanding. Some jobs and the money they provide you, that's how they restrict what you can and can't do. And money, for some people, it's like 
they light up, they light up their eyes and think, God, if I change from one company to another, I'm going to get another £20,000 a year in my pay packet. And it all seems great. But yet, people who run after money often bring great misery and sadness to their own lives and also the lives of other people in their families. It's something that the devil can tempt us with. Get loads of money and you'll be happy. It doesn't always work like that way. And even if it did, even if it did, it's not necessary not necessarily the right thing for a Christian to do. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Money may give you a temporary happiness, but that's all it will be, temporary. And it only lasts in this life. I've just reading, I think it was a football, I think it was Ronaldo. He's just negotiated a contract with a football team in Saudi Arabia, I think it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. And his... Um, earnings for playing for that football team in Saudi Arabia was about £230 million for one year. When he dies, he'll go in a coffin, just like the labourer on a farm or on a plantation, perhaps in the West Indies, in, in somewhere in a poor country. They both have a coffin. They, Ronaldo can't take his £230 million pounds with him, neither can that poor labourer take what he earned and possibly save with him. So money can be very deceptive. And it deceived this young man. Now this young man he must have known that only the only one who could grant eternal life to anyone was God. And it seemed from the question that he asked Jesus that there was, a, there was perhaps a fair element of sincerity in what he was saying. And, okay, maybe mixed with some pride when he, when he said, yeah, I've kept this command and that command and the other. Probably there's some pride in that, but no doubt some sincerity. He said he kept the commandments. But Jesus, being God, knew this man inside out he knew what that man was thinking he knew what his motivation was to ask Jesus what he had to do for eternal life and it's no different with all of us who are here this evening Jesus knows you and I inside out he knows our motivations he knows our secret sins and he is well aware of what we're really like we can't fool God So, when Jesus told that man what to do, and it really hit home at that man, it was too much for him to do, too much to give his money away to the poor, and then he would receive treasure in him. His response showed that his wealth had become an idol, and Going back into the Old Testament, for God's people, the Jews, idolatry, idol worship, was the big sin for them. 
time and time and time again. And it was what the reason why God punished them. He, he brought other nations in to defeat them because idolatry was something that God that God hated. His own people, the people he loved, the people he brought into existence, were looking elsewhere, were worshipping gods of their own making. Just like that young man, that ruler, that man, seemed to worship the god of money. <clears throat> so I want to suggest that one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, why after hearing the Christian gospel, perhaps a person's come, people come into our meetings fairly regularly, they hear something different perhaps each week, but there will be a theme going through each of those sermons. We are all sinners. We have a corrupt human nature. We cannot please God just by trying to pull our socks up, as it were, and trying to make ourselves a good person. We cannot please God simply, we cannot get to heaven by attending church meetings or by giving our money to the poor. Sooner or later, hopefully, as the Holy Spirit works in a person's life, they're going to realise that submitting to God's will, trusting in Jesus because he loves them, repenting of their sins, they should come to realise that that is the only way a person becomes right with God. Not through their own efforts, but through the faith that God's Holy Spirit gives to them as they hear and read the Gospel in the Bible. But, they can have, people like that, they can have the same sort of problem that that man we talked, we've just been talking about, speaking to Jesus. They've, the people that come here, and probably many other churches as well, they hear something about the, the fact that God will forgive them. No matter how dark, no matter how sinful, no matter how <coughs> vile and dire their background has been, they, God willing, they will hear that the Lord Jesus, because of his death, the punishment he took on their behalf and his resurrection, can clear all that foulness, that sin, clear it all away, tread it underfoot, hurl it into the sea so it's completely gone. And they think, great, this is great, I'm, I'm ashamed of the things I've done in my past, and now there's this great news that God is able to deal with them, that God has laid them, God the Father has laid them on Jesus, and I can be free of them forever. But, some of those people may have things in their life that they want to cling on to. However great the offering of, that God gives of forgiveness, of reconciliation to himself, of love, of the Holy Spirit coming into his or her life, working in them to help them change. However great the benefits of following Jesus are and of turning his or her back on their own sin. There, there may be one or two things that they, they are desperate to cling on to. Just like that man who spoke to Jesus. 
It, it could be there's just one particular aspect of the way that they're living at the moment that they cannot or will not or will not give up. There's a reluctance, a refusal, maybe an ingrained stubbornness to give up ownership or control of their own life. And what's involved there is their pride. I don't want anyone telling me what I've got to do with my life. I don't want anyone telling me how I should run my life. And there's probably an element of that in every one of us. If not at the moment, quite possibly in the past, and it may occur in the future as well. What the Bible calls the flesh, our old nature, wants to exert itself. And if we do that, we are causing great trouble and problems for ourselves. And so here, just picture the scene. We've got someone, here's this great news, what Jesus has done for them. He loves them. He loves them in spite of what they're like. And he says, follow me. But you've got to give up certain things in your life. It might be uh, an immoral relationship. It could be that they are um, defrauding the inland revenue. It could be that they are uh, not treating people in their workplace fairly. But if they can't give those things up, or well, they can, but but that's with the work of the Holy Spirit. If they don't want to give those things up, if they refuse to submit to God's authority in this great offer of forgiveness in the gospel, then they will not go to heaven. And the alternative is to stay where they are, to remain in that state of sin, and they will go to hell. It is foolishness, but our human nature is so often, our sinful human nature is so often foolish. Because God has made us not just physical beings, but spiritual beings. So Jesus said, man, because of that, Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the, mouth, from the word of God. Now, um, let's just read Matthew. Yeah, if you've got the, the church Bible, if you please turn to page 961, 961. Sorry. Yeah, just a sec, sorry. Matthew, if you don't need to know the number, it's Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 4. And if it's going to help, um, it's going to be Matthew... Page 961. Thanks, David. So it's, if you've got one of these big Bibles, it's page 961. Chapter 4, Matthew, starting at verse 4. Just one verse. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is that telling us? Well, it's telling us 
that for every man, woman and child who's ever lived on this planet, they have a spiritual element, a spiritual part of their being. We're not just here to eat and drink, to go out to work, to play football, to go on holiday. Um, There are things which are more important than that. Not that those those things are not necessarily unimportant. They're part of the, the range of good things which God enables people to enjoy. But what they are, God is saying here, the spiritual element of our lives is eternal. It's going to be eternal in heaven or it's going to be eternal in misery and suffering in hell. And that is the, if, any, if we pick up anything from this evening's meeting, it's that God does not want us to live as if we are only creatures um, without uh, a spiritual side to our lives. Because if that was the case, we would not be able to know God at all. So Jesus is referring, I think here, wrapped up in that very short verse is that it speaks to those people for whom materialism, accumulating, um, what can we say, clothes, working in, in a factory, or whatever it is, the things that only apply to this life. He's saying that materialism is not the be-all and end-all. Some people think it is, but... We believe that what God says is the truth. To those who live as if this life is all there is. He's speaking to them. For those people who say, and we probably all heard it at one time or other, they'll say, well, when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. That's what I believe. Other people say, when you tell them about the day of judgment, you warn them about the day of judgment. They'll say, well, I'll take that as it comes, mate. They have a very casual attitude. And in a way, it's not surprising because they're in the grip of the devil. The devil doesn't want us to think about the life to come and are we prepared for it. Now, we know that no one can come to Jesus unless God the Father draws him, draws us to him. And for this transformation to occur, God's Holy Spirit must be at work in our mind, in our thinking, in our heart, and also in our emotions. In our natural state, all boys and girls, all men and women, belong to the kingdom of darkness. Now, we're going to look at another um, Bible passage. It's on page, on the Bibles that the... Church Bibles, it's on page 1,159. 
Testament, the man who wrote this, the Apostle Paul, is speaking, he's writing to Christians. This is what he says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I don't know if any of you have seen uh, like a, a nature program or wildlife program um, featuring lemmings, these little creatures, and they are just tra- they just travel over many many miles in their uh, normal surroundings, and they're they're just like a, a great big crowd of them are all together, and you you, you can, I've seen one or two films where they're going along the top of a cliff, and they just go in into the the water or the the land many many feet below, but they all do it. They keep on going and going and going, and down down they go. And there's a picture of what we'll see, I hope a little bit later on, there's a picture of the whole of mankind just living their lives just for the things of today and tomorrow until they die. Being materialistic, if you like, with no thought for the future, no thought, is there a God or not? Who is Jesus Christ? Why did he die? Why did he come back from dead? They just live for the here and the now. Am I going to buy a blue Ford car? Or am I going to buy a yellow Nissan car? That can occupy some people for quite a while. Now, coming back to that passage, Ephesians, we've just read, it ma- it's very clear that we, there was a time when those of us here who are Christians, we also were alienated before we became Christians, before God worked in our hearts and minds to give us faith. We were alienated from God. We had no thoughts about God unless they were blasphemous thoughts, perhaps. No interest in spiritual things. We were enemies of God. That passage makes it crystal clear we were under God's wrath because of our rebellion, our pride and our sinful nature. We were like those lemmings in a way. We just did what everyone else did. And it's very difficult I think to find a better example than the several examples in our current society with things like abortion, homosexual marriage, homosexual behaviour, assisted suicide, um, 
it seems that when some people get on uh, on the roundabout, if you like, a load of other people get on there as well. They do it because everyone else is doing it, except those who perhaps think a little more deeply, and hopefully many Christians don't go along with everyone else. They think about things. So beware of focusing your attention when you're living on the things that only last for a limited time and never more than the time that you're living for. So even even with the legit I mean it's nothing wrong in buying a new car, buying a new house, changing your job, doing the doing the gardening. There's nothing that's not sinful. But when it becomes the be-all and end-all of your life, when it absorbs the way you think and the way you live, when it shuts out God, when it shuts out your spiritual life, then you become a fool. You become a, a dupe. You've been conned by the devil. You're ignoring God. And what an insult. You ever tried to speak to someone... And they, they know you're speaking to them and they just turn away and ignore you. It's one of the biggest insults anyone can, can make. And then finally, uh, if we can turn to Luke chapter 17 and it's in, on the Bibles that you've got, it's on page 1042. 1042. Luke chapter 17 verse 26 I should have read this before I just commented on it really not the right way to right order to do it but I think when we read it together we'll get the picture so it's if you've got one of the large church Bibles it's on page 1042 um Luke chapter 17, verse 26. This is a dire warning from Jesus. A dire warning from Jesus. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulphur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. That, I think, is a very good picture, a very good parallel of what, what's happening in the world today and what has always been happening. People are so wrapped up, people are so absorbed with what they're doing. Some things are perfectly legitimate, 
enjoying the good gifts that God does provide for us, but really without a thought for God. What a picture of the United Kingdom society today. And if anyone dares, any Christian perhaps dares speak to you dare speak to um, people you know, your neighbours, even your family, your work colleagues, then you're liable to get mocked or sadly these days reported to your line manager or someone like that. But that is that is a dire warning. These people were ignoring God. They had really very little idea that they had a spiritual side to their nature. They were materialists and who just wanted to run their lives as they thought they would do. So, to conclude... based on what we just read there what can we conclude human nature doesn't change in the time of Noah or the time of Lot early on in the days of humans and the days of the beginning of this planet it's just the same today human nature does not change people are still absorbed and wrapped up in their own lives without a thought for God unless God has mercy on them and moves his Holy Spirit to speak with them unless someone directs them to the Bible little or no thought for the world to come living only for this life ignoring the warnings in the Bible about a day of judgment but we also need to For those people who may be um, still clinging to something, they've heard the gospel, they believe it, and yet there's something that they refuse to give up. Do they realise what is at stake? Do they realise that they're neglecting the opportunity to trust in Christ, to follow him, and to have treasure in heaven? And we've got to say to it, this, this, this sort of dilemma does apply to Christians as well. It's not a matter of heaven or hell for, for the Christian, but it can be a matter of something in our life which we know is sinful, but we refuse to give up. And tied up with that, really, is what we're doing is we're setting our own puny knowledge and puny wisdom against the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God. Because someone who refuses to give up what God may speak in them, may be speaking them and telling them to do, to give up something which is sinful, do they really think that God is going to give them a bad deal? Do they really think that they can't trust God? Do they really think that they know better than God? Do we sometimes think that clinging to a sin even when we're converted, maybe many years ago. Do we really think we're going to benefit from that? How can we benefit from disobeying God? It's a nonsense, it's ridiculous. So, Christian or non-Christian, don't make the mistake of clinging on to things which are sinful. 
Sometimes God may give us a second chance. We don't know. Sometimes he may give us many chances to repent, change our mind and obey him. But don't put that to the test.